Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, December 11, 2022. Coming at you live from Floored Media in Rockville Center. Another wonderful show coming up for you tonight. Eric Fichot, former Islander and current of TVA Sports, will be joining us tonight to talk about the Isles, to talk about the return of the fish. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me as always, or usually, is Mr. Chris Botta. Chris, how you doing? How you doing, Sean? Hey, Islanders country. Nice to see everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot for joining us, folks. So, before we get into it, I want to remind you all that we are proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and of course, UBS Arena Belmont. Also, a big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. And want to tell you guys, we got a big viewing party coming up on Thursday, December 22nd from Lost Farmer Brewery. Isles vs. Rangers. We're going to do a live pregame show at 6 p.m. Leads you right up until puck drop at 7. It's going to be a great time. There's going to be raffles, 50-50, prizes, giveaways, lots of fun, drinks, drink specials, food specials. It's going to be fantastic stuff there. We'll have some uh, details coming out on social media, so definitely check us out for that. And, of course, a big thanks to our brand-new sponsor, Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game for you. From old favorites to the hottest new release, we have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join? Our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, or Game Night Live communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events. We're located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village, and you can go to mainstboardgamecafe.com. For more information, Main Street Board Game Cafe, find your crowd, unplug your game. So, with the pleasantries out of the way, Christopher Botta, only two games since our last show, since we had that funky Wednesday night show with Stefan. So a little Metro home, home and home of sorts, back to back, at least. Friday, you have the, the road game in New Jersey, then they come home to play Carolina. Friday obviously goes very well against the Devils. Saturday, not so well against the Canes. What do you say? Friday was just fantastic, wasn't yes. it? I mean, it was uh, a great game. You knew Jersey's going to make a run at the end. Kind of felt like an NBA game a little bit. Uh, but, you know, full, full credit to the Islanders for being ready for that game against some odds, I would say, because Jersey has been rolling so many teams. A little bit of revenge for the when the Islanders uh, got rolled themselves at UBS to the New Jersey Devils. So that was just a fantastic Friday. Yeah, no, no question about it. And I don't think a lot of Islander fans really chalked that one up for a win heading into it. Like, oh, okay, maybe <clears throat> we drop this one to the Devils because they're so hot. And hopefully we come back at home and, you know, take one in front of the uh, the fishermen crowd on Saturday night against the Canes. And it went the opposite way. And what an effort. And just what was so impressive to me was how, you know, and you actually noted this game earlier in the season when we were talking about, you know, how they got things started. And the Devils just 
ran the table against them in that game. Four to one win, and it just looked like they outclassed the Islanders. They couldn't keep up the youth, the speed, and good on the Islanders, good on Lane, Lane Lambert and his staff to adjust and really come out of the gate firing against this team. And the fact that they were able to put up six goals and do it early and then kind of play a more defensive style and one of the wackiest things you'll see you know, in, in NHL hockey, the fact that, that the, the Devils pulled the goalie so damn early, around seven minutes to go, you have a, a record-breaking shift from Hughes, uh, what, six minutes and two Excellent. seconds, I think it was. So uh, entertaining, but also, um, I'm sure, nerve-inducing for Islander fans, especially since they were slowly chipping away at that lead that they had. And, and who, who knew that, that a two-goal lead so late would feel so unsafe? But uh, the Devils were really taking it to them, and, and the Islanders did a good job to, to clamp it down. And also, Jersey got the first goal, so you're kind of thinking, uh-oh, here we go. And, right. You know, just a, right. a, again, all around, you know, really, really impressive. I, I think that's a game that meant a lot to that team. Yes, it took a lot out of them holding on uh, to the end, uh, but they really earned the two points. They did, they did, and there was obviously a little controversy between the Isles and Devils, or at least Isles and Devils fans, funny enough, with the big Romanoff hit on Wood. Wow. The, what, what was uh, your take the, on the, that? The whining is just, <laughs> well, all you need to know is that on Sunday, Miles Wood came out yes. and said, had my head down. Right away, his dad, Randy, who I love, who was on the Islanders when I worked yeah. there, Randy, uh, who was a 40-point-a-season player around there, was a good second, third-line uh, player, very intelligent player, also was known for having his head down. If, it, if huh. there was anything that wasn't great about Randy's really? game, if Randy hears this, hopefully he backs <laughs> me up or isn't, I'm sure he's uh, isn't, live isn't right upset. But he was known for having his head down when he skated. So uh, Miles just came out and completely absolved the player, and you never see that. So all credit in the world to Miles Wood. Yes. Tired of the whining every time somebody gets hit with a big hit and, and then everybody has their different take on it and the home team announcers for both teams have their home team take on it too. Right. Uh, just take the hit, get up, Miles did. Uh, and he said the right things today. So clean hit. Inarguable. Yeah, I love that he said it was a clean hit himself. Yeah, for sure. Really but let's dive a little deeper into that because an interesting point that's come up, and Romanov mentioned this himself. This is something new, I would say, over the last, I don't know, five to 10 years, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, back in the day, if somebody leveled a guy with a clean hit, you move on. You know, you take your lumps, maybe you get back up, you, you, you shake yourself off, you go to the bench, whatever it is, but there's usually no big hubbub about it afterwards. But now, even if a guy gets laid out on a clean hit, nothing dirty, nothing headhunting, no elbows, nothing, you're getting jumped. And you know what I think it is? Part, one of my theories is, is that everybody in this day and age, and I also believe this is somewhat of a social media thing, including the players, I think the players are confused. I think the coaches should maybe provide some direction about this in the big picture, not in the moment, because it's a, it's a thing of passion and, and your guy gets hit. Sure. But what happens if, I, I agree, it's ridiculous. A guy gets hit with a fair hit, a clean hit, and then everybody's got to jump on him or do right. fake, the fake tough thing where they yeah, come yeah. and throw the glasses. On the other hand, and I've seen this with Islander fans, I've seen this with fans of other teams too, and I get it, but if that guy is there on the ground, and nobody responds, then it's like, where was the team? They're right. soft. Why yep. aren't they yep. responding? Yep. So, you know, I think the the way, you know, Bob Nystrom, just to drop one name, would tell you how to handle it is you continue the play, you move on, and then if, you know, fair hit or not, then you, if you're the devils, you then try to make your good, hard, clean hit 
against Shomroff. That, if there's a code, and it was a fighting code, that's usually what it is. Yeah. But now it's like everybody's got to make a scene. Everybody's got to look like they're tough, you know. And by the way, I'm not tough. I'm not trying to be the <laughs> fake podcast stuff guy. I'm just saying that this has gotten ridiculous, and I think it all goes back, Sean, to the guys doing what they think is the right thing to do, and it happens to not. A lot of times you wind up in the box, and it's great. Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing is how that philosophy on the ice has changed where the players feel the, there's some sort of obligation now. If your guy gets laid out, as clean, whether it's clean or not, you got to go and defend his honor, right? And I, and I get that to a degree, but when it's clean, you know, I think there's a little more like you acknowledge the fact that, look, it was a good hit. You know what I'm saying? Like, because cause Romanov even, even mentioned this himself. You know, he ended up having to serve five minutes for a fight literally just for defending himself. Now, now, granted, the instigator went the other way, which is the right call, but Romano's getting pulled off the ice for five minutes because he laid a, a great clean hit on somebody. It just doesn't make sense. And he's in a tough spot there too, Sean, because, you know, the, the, it would be great if he just took it and the other team got the five, got everything, right? Yeah. But there's a pride factor there too that you're not going to turtle. Oh, of course. To, yeah, you got to defend so, yourself. Hey, listen, I get it, especially in the heat of the moment for these players. It's tough to decide uh, the right thing to do. Mm. I guess what I'm suggesting is this, if the coaches just implement an overall philosophy of this thing, which is if one of our guys gets hit with a clear, clean hit, that isn't a reason for all of us to jump on them. I agree. I don't. I don't get it. But this is the new way of the NHL, yeah. and it's something we have to get used to. But I guess it's why the instigators in place, and at least at least they utilized it, right? If they, if they had made that even, it would have been a joke. Yeah, they got it right. Right. Yeah, for sure. All right. So big win. You know, nice little turnaround. The Islanders were on the Schneid a little bit in early December, and and that was a big win to come out with. And you know, you go into last night. They come home. Obviously, a big night. The return of the reverse retro. I'm obviously wearing the the OG right here, the original Fisherman. I had to fish this out of the closet. Found that it was in decent enough condition so never thought i'd be wearing this again but here i am hockey night in new york but a lot of festivities and fanfare going into last night's game the islanders went all out i have to say uh not only did they wear the uniforms wear the jerseys but they had all the graphics even leading into the game they had the fisherman you know uh, logo on the ice and they had the waves and the water you walk into the building on the big screen you had the logo up there so they were going full throttle into this branding in the reverse retro and it's just like a never in a million years did i ever think we were going to see this thing again let alone the push that the Islanders put behind this thing and they really went all I mean, even like on the on the broadcast on the scoreboard you saw the 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 angry fisherman up there not the, not the original Islander logo so they they went complete changeover to the to the reverse retro logo and it was just um it was something else to see and I'll say it and I'm sure there's a portion of the fan fan base that's going to look at me and say yeah go f yourself or whatever the case may be but they look good out there they look good on the ice I mean maybe the performance wasn't great and I'm sure it just adds a little more fuel to that fire to get rid of the damn thing because they lost three nothing last night but it's here there there's little doubt that in meetings and staff meetings for the team or within staffers amongst themselves in the last week or two, the line was uttered. Somebody would say, and this was probably happened more than a couple of times was, you know, it would be really, really good if in this, these, this first game where we wear the fisherman Jersey, we get a win because that'll answer everything. And that's just not the way of course. things no, go, of course. right? Of course. Um, you retire number. I think actually we won most of the games 
uh, that the Islanders played, even when we were bad, when we retired uh, numbers. I remember getting beat badly in one of them. But a lot of times that has this overall stain to it now, right? So it turns out that it couldn't not have been for the people who really don't like it, who said it's going to make them play bad, which is silly because that's not, that doesn't <laughs> right. happen. Bad, or it's going to harken <laughs> yeah, back right. to that day. Um, you know, maybe playing right after playing Jersey wasn't the, the greatest game to pick. I think Carolina to, to talk about the hockey game, we'll come back to the fishermen. Right. I do want to get right. your thoughts. If not now, then later on, mm-hmm. um, just quickly on quick one on the game is, Give a lot of credit to Carolina. Sure. The team that's rested versus the team that played, usually the advantage goes in the beginning of the game. This is what hockey people, of which I am not, have told me forever, that the team that played the night before actually has a little advantage in that first period because their legs are going, Mm -hmm. whereas in this case, Carolina hadn't played for a couple of nights. And I think Carolina, Rod Brindamore, an experienced guy that's played a million NHL games, said, you know, let's just keep this tight and not – too exciting. The, the, I think the game was over at like the period was over like eight oh seven Eastern <laughs> yeah. time. I was like, wait, the period's over, right? Right. Um, so I think Carolina did almost to a T everything that they would want to do. So before, and I'm sure later on, we'll get back into this back to back issue, which I have a problem with that narrative mm. and some of the things said on the broadcast and elsewhere. But I'll start by saying Carolina played a brilliant, brilliant game and just shut down UBS for that night. No, they did. They did. They kept it scoreless there for a while. And it was it was kind of a, you know, obviously you give credit to Carolina as you just did, but a little bit of a listless effort, I think, from the island. There's only 16 shots on goal. And granted, it is second to back-to-back. They have a, I suppose you would say, emotional win against the Devils the night before. It was a big game. And maybe, uh, you know, the Carolina just caught the Islanders a little tired on, on that end of things. And they were right. But, like, it's funny because you can twist that narrative, you know, either which way. And you see it all the time. You know, you can go and say, oh, well, they, they weren't on the ice for five games. So if the Islanders had blown the Canes out last night, it was because they were they were too rested, right? And then the other way around is if the if Carolina wins, oh, well, they had the rest. And the Islanders played the night before. It's a, it's the reason reason why it gets tiresome is that the Islanders had just played three games at home mm. against mediocre to worse opponents and each of those games the night before that team played in Madison Square Garden while the Islanders were home resting and the Islanders lost two of those games two of those games they beat Chicago it was an okay effort they lost to uh, Nashville and they lost to St. Louis. And so, but we never, my, my problem with when we go there on the broadcast is that we never hear that Sean, the other way around. <laughs> right. But we heard it last <clears throat> night at the end of the game, there was light booing and Butch Goring who I love, who should be in the hall of fame, who I'm thrilled his number is retired. Who's a great announcer who was good to me personally, but he says that's unfair for them to boo because the Islanders played a game the night before while Carolina was rested. And I just, I don't like that. It seems that's something that Butch doesn't need to say because we never hear it the other way around. For sure. So, folks, want to thank you so much for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and, of course, your favorite podcast providers later on. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Eric Fischel, former Islander and of TVA Sports, will be joining us. We'll be right back. Hey, Islander fans. You already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now you can get it at the game. 
Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to Hockey Night in New York. We are now joined by the former Islanders goaltender and the analyst for Tavia Sports, and that's Eric Show. How are you, Eric? I'm really good, thank you. Thanks for doing this. It's Chris, and you're also joined by Sean. I know you had a game, like a, the 3 o'clock game today, so thanks for squeezing us in tonight. How did the game go tonight? It, well, it went pretty good, actually. Colorado won. I was doing the uh, St. Louis-Colorado game, so uh, it wasn't the best game that I've seen, but at least you know, we had some overtime, and uh, Colorado ended up winning. All right. I know you're doing a great job over there at Tavia. It's so great to see you being a, a color commentator now, my friend. Um to bring you on, I would love to get your take now that you've seen Ilya Sorokin uh, continuing to be at his best as a goaltender yourself with a love for the craft. Uh, yeah. what is, how do you rank Sorokin? Well, I know lately it's been a little harder for him, but uh, <laughs> overall he's been amazing. And, and honestly, you look at, at his number, and even with Valarmov, I think the Islanders have have the best uh, goalie tandem in the league. Um, Varlamov is a great goalie. He used to be a number one, you know, and, and last, well, I guess last year, maybe we, we saw the, maybe the, the change with Sorokin maybe becoming the number one guy. But Varlamov is, if he's not a number one guy, he's, is by far the best, best backup goalie uh, in the NHL. If, and Sorokin, if you look at his numbers, if he if he just keep going in, in that uh, direction, he could be a nomi- nominate for a, for a visit a trophy, no doubt in my mind. He has a potential to do it, and uh, it's a big surprise because a lot of goalies that uh, we've seen in the last few years that were good in the KHL, but and you know we they, we had big expectation from them, but as soon as they came to the NHL, I guess that the 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 change of uh, the, the the style of, of the of the game was harder for them, and they didn't they didn't have the success that we were hoping for. But Sorokin, I got to be honest with you, he is better than I thought. And the way that the transition uh, in the NHL is even you know it's it's amazing what he's been able to do, and he's the real deal. I think he's going to be uh, a good number one goalie for a lot of years for the Islanders. When he is at uh, at his best, again as a fellow goaltender what is it that you see in him that so what are his particular set of skills what is it that he does best when he's on his game well he's an athletic goalie so he's really flexible we see him doing some some amazing saves uh but also he's got a good technique because now 
in the in today's NHL, there's so many skills players. So obviously, the speed is one factor for goalie, but you have to be a good te technically goal goalie. And, and I think he has the he has the potential to be even better because as soon as you have a good technique and if you if you add your uh, your physical abilities with that, I mean, there's I mean, it's interesting what he can. Oh, what he is actually, but what he can even you know become. So uh, the fact that you know I've seen I've seen him make some some big saves because you know he's doing the splits or just a reflex save, but also I've seen him make some technical sell save because he's, he's in the right position. Um, you know that's what impressed me the most, and I like that. I like having a goalie that is is a good te technical goalie, but also if if when the time comes you know you you have to make that split or you have to make that that big save and he's also able to do that so that's that's a gift that not too many guys have and uh he's certainly impressive uh you know since he's been in the nhl when a goalie is kind of help well it's helping to carry a team to success what's that like in the locker room in other words how popular must Ilya sorokin be in the islanders locker room these days and pay a lot of dinners on the road. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. But, uh, well, it gives a lot of confidence. And, and obviously, you know, working in Montreal, I, I mean, we've seen Carey Price for so many years being dominate, you know, in, in the Montreal, with the Montreal Canadiens. And, and what we we saw was the impact that he could have and, and the uh, the respect that he would, you know, have from other teams. And, and we could see that. And I'm sure Sorokin, he keeps going in that, you know, in, in that way. We're gonna see you guys are gonna see a lot of that in New York because you know it. First of all, for his own teammates, it gives a lot of confidence because you know there's a guy that not only is gonna give you a chance to win every game, but might he might steal a few games also along the way. And um, I mean, when you have a guy like that, or even Shesterkin uh, with the Rangers, and and you have guys that that. Every game, uh, they don't give that bad goals that hurts you, and that makes a big difference for for any NHL teams. And I think guys just have more confidence playing, you know, in front of him, and uh, it, it can make a bit a big impact in a, in a long run. And because of the Islanders having that defensive style since the Barry Trotz era, and now you see it with a new coach, um, you know, if you if you put those two together, well, we have you have a team that is in the playoff right now. And I didn't think the Islanders were going to make playoffs. I wasn't sure, you know, and I was still wondering about the offensive of the team. Defensively, I knew they had a good defensive game and they have you know two good goalies. But uh, it's a big surprise for me this year. I'm really happy they're doing good. And uh, you know, when you play good defensively, a lot of good things going to happen. Hey, Eric, how's it going? Sean here. Thanks a lot for coming on. So I want to talk to you a little bit about your career with the Islanders and obviously all the, the fanfare going on about the, the fishermen coming back. But before we do, I just wanted to ask a, a question about the goaltending position. How has it evolved since your time in the NHL to now, talking about guys like Ilya Sorokin and Shesterkin? How's, how's the, the goaltending position changed since you were in the league? Changed a lot. First of all, goalies are way bigger now. I mean, back in my days, I'm 5'11", 180 pounds. I was probably playing 170 pounds with the Islanders. Wow. So now you see guys at 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", 230 pounds, moving like they're, they're 180 pounds. That, that's impressive for me. So guys are bigger. Guys are faster. And 
obviously technique has evolved also. You see a lot of guys playing that reverse VH. You no, know, you see guys on their posts. And because over the years, I mean, I guess goalie coaches realize the game is all about it's all around the net and a lot of dead angle shots. So they, they create that technique, try to cover the most of the net being that reverse VH. So you see guys on their knees, but they're able to push. So what impressed me the most is, you know, seeing guys being that big, being that fast. I mean, every, I mean, they're way better than we, than we were, obviously. Everything evolved, but it's impressive to see, you know, like guys like Vasilevsky and, you know, Shesterkin. They don't make a lot of mistakes. And when it's time to make that big save, they, they'll make that split. They'll, they'll do it. But technically, it's amazing the amount of bad goals that you can – cut down when you have a good technique and that's what I see in the NHL goalies these days yeah for sure and they're a lot of fun to watch so with all the the fanfare around the fisherman jersey coming back I I saw you actually got involved you were interviewed I saw a piece on NHL.com and you actually shared a story I think it was also with Nick Hershon with his we want fish sticks book that you actually liked the jersey back when when they had it's funny we had um Darius Kasparitis on not too long ago and he was saying how most of the guys in the locker room weren't a fan of it but you yourself had a good experience with it well I didn't mind it because (laughs) it was my first experience in the NHL so for me that that logo that's what it reminds me it reminds me of my first NHL game right reminds me when I I was able you know to to realize my dream of, of playing in the NHL. And I guess because of, you know, those experience, I had maybe a different version of, of the logo. Looking back now, I mean, I prefer the old logo. I prefer the original, mm-hmm. you know, with the history, with, you know, with the Stanley Cups and everything. But because I was only 20 years old and, you know, it was my first time in the NHL, I didn't know anything else. So that's that's the first thing that that, that comes to my mind when I see the logo is, you know, starting playing with the Islanders. So, and I had a great time on the island. And unfortunately, we didn't have the success that we were right. hoping for. And looking back, I, I'm I'm always wondering if we if we have one more games, and if we I don't know if we had made a playoff and a good run. I'm wondering if if people would see that logo differently than than now because we had such a hard time during those years. So the logo is kind of connected with with that era. Oh, there's no question about it, Eric. And I think that perspective is great because I think fans can relate to that, especially fans my age who were were young kids, maybe even young teenagers at the time, where that's where we really became fans of it. So as you became a player of the team, we kind of developed our fandom of the team during that era. So there's a lot of people, you know, that that still embrace the logo and the jersey just like you because that's when you fell in love with the team, you know. So I can definitely relate to that on your end. And... You debuted against Dominic Hasek in your first game. You get a 5-4 overtime win. Uh, how memorable was that for you? And is that your most memorable experience as an Islander? Or maybe you have a story you can share with us. Well, it has to be one of my, yeah. It's probably the most, uh, my, well, I would say my best memory uh, of the, well, first of all, in the NHL. Because I remember getting the call a few days before. I, I believe it was Bob Froze, who was the goalie coach at the time, who called me and said, listen, we didn't you in New York. You just got called up, and you know you're gonna play against Buffalo. So I had to. I was in Worcester. I had to drive to New York. It was before cell phone, before everything else. I was so scared to get lost on my way. I had a map, and I wrote. You know, I wrote down the 
the road to get to New York. And um, I think I got there the night before. I had one practice, and I found out I was playing that game against Buffalo. And if my memory is correct, the Islanders were, were struggling during that time. They lost a bunch of games in a row, and it was a, it was a tough time for the team. So I just I, – I remember showing up, not knowing what to expect. I knew I was playing against Buffalo and, and Dominic Asek, Pat Lafontaine, who's – who, you know, I used to go watch play when he was in Montreal playing junior. So it was kind of a big deal to play against him. And um, and I, I, I knew I had that. I think I, had, I was like a few seconds away for, for, uh, from my first win. And who ended up, you know, tying the game was Pat Lafontaine, made it 4-4, <laughs> went to overtime. I think Matthew Schneider scored the overtime winner. I must have hugged him for like five minutes. I was so happy <laughs> just to get the first win. But uh, things went... It, it, it went so fast. I mean, it, the the first shot that I had, I think, it, if if I remember correctly, I had I had like a um, a shot from I think the red line or something. I gave a long rebound, and I made a pretty good save on that on that rebound. And the the crowd got into it, and I was so nervous. And <laughs> and as the game went on, I kind of lost that you know that that nervousness, and I became more focused and and just trying to calm down and. You know, you got to say well, at one point, listen, I'm in the NHL now. It's not time to be uh, starstruck, whatever. You got to focus, you got a game to win and, you know, end up winning that first game in overtime. So it was the best case scenario for me. Awesome. Brian, I don't know if you know, uh, Eric, but Brian Berard made a cameo appearance about two or three minutes on the pregame show yesterday on the <laughs> Islanders broadcast. You're your good buddy. And, you know, it was just fun to watch, Brian, like the minute this era was brought up, not just the Fisherman jersey, but the players and, and yeah. everybody. And, and I was there, and obviously you didn't win as, as much as any of us would have hoped. But just a big smile comes to Brian's face, and he says, you know, that. And, and of course, this time with the Leafs, uh, 1-2 one, or 2-1. Two, one, he, you know, he is right there, the biggest moments of his career. So can you just give the fans a, a sense of, yes, as you mentioned, you know, the, 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 uh, the wins sometimes were hard to come by. You were a young group. Yeah. But how much you all bonded together on Long Island, how much the fans meant to you, what it was like for you as a 20-year-old, 21-year-old uh, to be on Long Island back then and, and the spirit around the team. I mean, I, I loved it. I love Long Island. I honestly thought I could live there like, forever like I, I just I really fell in love with with this you know with the city with the people with you know and, and I guess the fact that I, it was the first time in the NHL and meeting Brian Brian was only 19 at the time and we became really close I mean we I live with him and Brian McCabe so as you can imagine being 19 20 21 <laughs> 21 in the NHL it was it was a lot of fun and and I, I guess for him I mean he won the Calder so he had a lot I mean Brian had a lot of good memories and in Long Island, and um, and it was the same for me. We had a good bunch of guys, and we 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 obviously we wish we could have won more games. But I still remember the great friendships that we had with a lot of guys, with Derek King and Scott Chance and Marty McInnes, all those guys. Um, we were a young team. I mean, we had a lot to learn. But uh, I think uh, looking back, I have you know great memories about that time. Just learning to become a professional player. That's the hardest thing for any young guys in the league. It's just learning to be a pro. And I guess we're not ready maybe. I, I, you know, for myself, maybe playing one more year in the minor would have been, you know, better for me. But you're so excited to be in the big league. And uh, I have no regret from, from the days, uh, from my years on, on the island. I, just great memories. Even if we, if 
we didn't win as many games as I was, you know, as I as I hope we uh, we would have won, it was still a great time for me. You know, I'm glad that you brought up your uh, your roommates and the housing there because you mentioned it uh, to me. <laughs> you mentioned it to me last year, and it yeah. dawned on me after we hung up that, like. And, and maybe you can give some perspective, but you know, when Tavares joined the Islanders at eighteen, nineteen, he lived mm-hmm. with the guy, uh, the former Bruins yeah. defenseman, and so a lot of times guys are, are Dennis Seidenberg. Yes, yeah, Se- Se- Dennis Seidenberg. A lot of times guys yeah. are paired up now. You get the feeling there's more coaching and player experience mm-hmm. things. I know that's the case in other sports. Yeah, and I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I was thirty, I guess, around that time. But in looking back, like. The, like it almost feels reckless to me that the team let a nineteen-year-old, yeah. a twenty-year-old, <laughs> and a twenty-one-year-old. You guys were good and well-behaved, I'm sure, but sure. just in terms of we were just in <laughs> not, ter- <laughs> but just in terms of development, was that in hindsight? Okay, if you were going to work for a team, you probably w- was that just asinine. Like, what, I'm sorry, what what were your thoughts on that, Fish? Honestly, I mean, maybe the reason that they decide that John Tavares was going to live with a player is because of us. They didn't want to make the same mistake. <laughs> we learn. Those who yeah, have they not learned, learned from, from history. From yes, exactly. But, but, but you're 100% right. I think looking back, it would have been better for us to maybe live with a veteran or, you know, you don't want to have three young guys living in the same house. That's for sure. I mean, you have one French Canadian, one American, and one, one Canadian from Calgary <laughs> bonding. Uh, but but you know what? It was great because we all came from different backgrounds. They were making fun of my French accent. I was making fun, you know, of different different things. But nice. but overall, we we got along. And the thing is, you spend so much time with your roommate because you live with him, you play hockey with him. I mean, you don't even spend spend as much as much time with your wife. It's right. it, it's it's crazy. I mean, the, you go on the road. I mean, you practice every single day. Plus, you travel with your with your roommate. You come back home. We used to go, uh, you know, every day. We go for lunch. We go to Vincent for for probably five times a five, five times a week. Go to Vincent for 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 dinner. Go see movies or whatever. So uh, you spend a lot of time. But if you you think about hockey, maybe it would have been better to have you know like somebody else living with us or just trying to have a better support, you know, try what, looking back, what I was saying, learning to become a professional player could have been easier. Maybe with a veteran living with, with me or, you know, somebody else, but uh, because we were living, we, we were learning everything else in the same time. So I guess maybe not the best way. And if you look now, every 18 or 19 year old playing in NHL, I mean, either their their parents come to live with them, or they're gonna live with a veteran. They don't they don't do that. They don't do what we that what we did with us. We're talking to Eric Fischo on the line here, and Eric, um, just to comment on that, it's funny you mentioned your roommates and everything. I'm pretty sure that I have a, a poster rolled up in a closet somewhere of yourself, Kenny Johnson. Oh, yeah. Brian McCabe and I think Brian Burrard. I think it said like future stars or something like that. So you're still in the closet somewhere. But uh, just going back to what I said before, I mean, that was when <laughs> my fandom really, you know, came up. But, uh, you know, we were very excited to have you guys in the team as, as young fans back then. Well, we, we were excited also. And, and I remember going to Booster Club's uh, meetings or Booster Club's uh, events and, and and the people were 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 cheering for us. I mean, we could see how much 
the game met to the fans. And we, we, we heard so much about the four Stanley Cups in, in that 80s, you know, that, that era with, with Bossy, Trottier, and, you know, all, right. all the stars. And, and the thing is, the thing is hard, the thing that is hard for young players that come, you, you want to, you want to write your own history. Right. You respect what was done before, but you cannot live in the past. You try to create something for yourself. And that's what we were hoping to do. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for different reasons. But I remember that the fans, I mean, we used to, you know, leave a game and have bodyguard walking us to our car. And, and the fans were, I mean, the fans were so, I wouldn't say like, it, it, it was so intense. And, and especially when we play Rangers, you have Ranger fans, Islander fans. And it was, it was fun because, I mean, we, we, we knew we could be better. We, we knew we had the, the, the support of the fans, but I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. In our case, it didn't work. But uh, and at one point, you know, some players got started getting traded. Some right. players started getting sent down to the minor. That's just a reality of the game. It's a business. You need to win. If you don't win, you're going to lose your job. Well, Eric, awesome stuff. The last one from me. The New Islanders ownership, John Ledecky, Scott Malkin, they've done a great job reaching out to Islanders alumni, yeah. getting them back involved, communicating. Have they reached out to you? Have they had any sort of communication with yourself? And have you been back to UBS Arena yet to, to see the new digs playing in uh, the old Coliseum back then that everybody was waiting to replace even back then? No, I haven't been back to uh, – well, I've been back to the island, but I haven't, I haven't seen the new, uh, the new building. Looking forward to it. And I've met John, obviously – uh, he, he came down for Mike Bossy's funeral, so I met John a few times, and 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 he was always talking about you know trying to bring you know the alumni uh, guys back on the island, and that's the thing I, I really appreciated, starting to bring back that that culture, you know all the, all the old players trying to get back together, and and uh, and I have the chance to go back every summer. Uh, Joe McMahon, my uh, my equipment guy with the Islanders back in the days he has a golf tournament and nice. uh, there's always a bunch of guys playing so it's it's fun to see them but uh, I'm gonna try to see the new building I'd like to come down on the island maybe uh, I know there's gonna be a, something special uh, in a few months for the 50th anniversary so I like me I probably try to uh, I'm probably gonna try to uh, to go uh, on the island for for that uh, for that special night well, that would be fantastic, Eric. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the, on the show. Thank you so much, and have a great rest of your night. Very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Absolutely. Eric. Take care, bud. Ladies Thanks. and gentlemen, Thanks. that was great Islanders alum Eric Fisho from back in the Fisherman days, reminiscing about the jersey, about the times, about perhaps the shenanigans he got involved in with his old roommates. <laughs> what was yeah. that, down in Long Beach, down in Lido Beach? I think a lot of guys lived down there back then, right? Yeah, right. good, clean, fun. I of mean, course. I know, yeah, he, he jokes, but... Uh, they were always ready to play, just too young. Um, you know, you'd have, you know, he mentioned Matthew Schneider getting the goal. And yeah. The you know, you had this, you know, I think this, you know, Seidenberg, Seidenberg was Seidenberg, sorry, Dennis Seidenberg. So actually, I, I, I wanted to bring that up. Oh, I got that mixed up. So I'm pretty sure John Tavares roomed with Doug Waite. Doug Waite, right. And Matt Barzell stayed with Seidenberg. Seidenberg. There yes. you go. See, see what happens when I'm away from the team and I don't, I, I can't on you for this era, <laughs> the, the last 10 years. Good. That, but that proves the point exactly. It's perfect. You know, uh, there was this weird combination. It's mo it was mostly youth with just a couple of random veterans. You know? Right, right, right. And it just didn't work. But 
they were all just the greatest guys who gave their all, who were great in the community. You, you sense it with Fisho. He's just, he's a joyful guy, and they, they all were, and it was a pleasure to be around them. Oh, yeah, and it was a fantastic interview. Great to have him on the show. And, you know, you, you Matthew Schneider's name comes up, and it kind of took me down a, a little bit of a rabbit hole, rabbit hole thinking of guys like him and, and guys like Wendell Clark who came to this team, you know, kind of stars in the league at that time, right? And, you know, you being there, I mean, what was what was the general attitude? I mean, we know how Kirk Muller felt when he came to the New York Islanders, but when a guy like Clark or Schneider comes to Long Island when they're struggling the way they did, I mean, did they make the best of it? Was there was there grown? I mean, you know, obviously you don't have to reveal anything you don't want to, no, but no, I'm happy to. But um, you know, was was there a general? You know, did they did they embrace the challenge to come to the island and play under those circumstances? They did. Matthew Schneider is from New York. His dad lived in New York. Um, threw himself into the community. Wendell Clark was great. You know, the Kirk Muller thing aside, and that was a big one, and that hurt, and it, a lot, you know, for a lot of reasons, it didn't make sense. Right. And I know it was a surprise to Don Maloney that Kirk Muller uh, didn't accept <laughs> being here. The whole thing, all, all that was strange. Mm-hmm. Everybody else who came through or rolled through, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it always... I was like, wow, Wendell Clark's on our team. Right, you yeah, know? Exactly. Like that was For me, right? You know, like I was just like, right, I'm getting to meet Wendell Clark. Sure. I mean, he was just weird. Matthew Schneider, the same way. Uh, way. And then some of the lesser known veterans that, that, that would come through. So, but no, it, anything that didn't work, it was not for a lack of trying on the player's part. I could assure you that. Yeah, it's great to hear because, look, as as we do, there's always chatter, and you wonder, you know, what kind of attitude a, a player has. And I guess when you have and see firsthand examples like Kirk Muller, you wonder, you know, just what sort of approach that these players take. We're like, oh, man, and it, whether it's the Islanders or not, right? I'm going to, to the Coyotes there in the basement. They're playing in a college, on a college campus, for crying out loud. Like, you wonder, I mean, these guys are professionals, sure, but, you know, you have your choice of 32 teams. I'm sure you, you favor some more than others. And also, they're smart enough to know that, let, let's say, in the case of Wendell, and this happens to not be the case, sure. that, that he's just like, oh, I, I don't want to be here or whatever. The only way, it's like somebody being sent down to the minors. You, you could you could grumble and mm-hmm. even take a day or two to mourn, but the only way to get out of that predicament is to play well and to be a good teammate. And, you know, in the case of Wendell, he was eventually traded for Kenny Johnson. Right. You know, so um, so he found his way back to Toronto if that's something he wanted to, you know, like there's, there's these things work themselves out as long. It's no different in any job. It's no, mm-hmm. in hockey or non-sports. Right, right. Like it, the only way you're going to figure your way out of something is by working as hard as you can and giving your best effort and then trying to, you know, see what happens if you land somewhere else. And now that we have Wendell Clark's name came up, that was a, <laughs> the no, Wendell Clark show. No, 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 that was a big three-way deal because I'm curious. Hey, look, you were there, so mm-hmm. I'm curious. So that was, you know, maybe to the chagrin of, of some Islander fans back then because Steve Thomas ends up getting sent over to Jersey, right? It was a three-way deal, right? He goes to Jersey. Lemieux comes, goes, to, goes to Jersey, and then I think, uh, or maybe Colorado, and then, and then Clark ends up coming to the Islanders, right? So that was always the intention of, of Mike Milbury was to get Wendell Clark. They never they never had any entertaining – they weren't entertaining the thought of keeping Claude Lemieux on the island, right? Like he was just a means Correct. to get was Wendell three, Clark. Yeah, it was a three-way. And um, whether it's Mike Milbury or anywhere else, what I will say is sometimes teams think – and this was definitely the case with Mike mm-hmm. – um, sometimes teams think that they overrate leadership. 
that, okay, we got this problem. We got mm-hmm. this team that isn't good. But if we get Wendell Clark here or later on, it was, you know, uh, they signed Ron Sutter and, and Mike Huff as free agents. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, th- th- that's usually not the answer. This thing mm-hmm. of bringing over cups or bringing over leadership, yeah. um, you know, generally does not work. Somebody pointed out to me, so I, in the media guide that I have, that's the first one. And I could have this wrong, but just the media guide I have has Steve Thomas in the fisherman jersey. But Steve never yes, wound up. Like yes. Maybe he came up with Ray Ferraro and we had him on. Yes. But, but Steve never wound up playing a game right. in the Fisherman jersey. And you know what? It's It says everything about my respect for Steve <laughs> that I'm happy that he didn't. He wasn't part of that. There you have it. So great stuff, Eric. Great reminiscing about the old uh, fisherman days, if you will. But, folks, we're going to take a break here. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. And, of course, Your favorite podcast providers later on. We'll take that break. When we come back, it's time for What's on Tap. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice-cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together. Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or sip a Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu? You can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And for all of Long Island's hockey fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the newly built UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Whether you're at the stable for a hockey game, concert, or a comedy show, you can find Stable Shaker by can and draft around the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewery, the future of Long Island craft beer. Hey there, welcome back. We missed you too. Now kick up your feet and settle back in to Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to Hockey Night New York, ladies and gentlemen, watching live on twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. Now, before we get into what's on tap, been a lot of questions here. Where's Christian Arnold been? Where, where's the guy gone? We know he's been very busy. So look, I wanted to at least come halfway here and satisfy a little bit. Christian making a, making a small appearance here on the show while we wait for his uh, triumphant return, if and when that ever happens. So there you go, Christian. He looks great. He looks great. Look at that. So he's going to join us for What's on Tap and probably for the rest of the show. Not going to say much, but, but there he is, folks. So What's on Tap, obviously, we had the, the midweek show on Wednesday, and uh, we're looking at next week. The Islanders are hitting the road. A couple games coming up here. Starting in Boston on Tuesday, it doesn't get – it gets a little easier on Friday. Then it kind of ramps up back a little bit up after that. You got Arizona Friday. They're going to spend their first night in Mullet Arena, so that'll be interesting. Looking forward to seeing how that goes. And then they go into Las Vegas in the desert on Saturday. Chris, what do you say? I want to talk about this game in Boston. Okay. And, and I'm the first to say I'm tired of the back-to-backs and all that narrative, but this is, a, this is an interesting one for me. Okay. We see that they're playing Boston, and we think, well, Boston's great. And Boston doesn't lose at home or they lose in overtime at home once in a while. And that's a game that the Islanders are going to be underdogs in. Right. But the Boston Bruins, as we talk right now, Mm -hmm. 
are playing a game in Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay. And that game is going to end at 10, 30, 11 o'clock our time. Sure. And then about an hour and a half, two hours later, they're going to charter home across the country mm-hmm. and then get to their beds, whatever that might be. Sure. Five, six, six hours eight. later. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so you see what I'm getting at here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If we're to look at who might have an advantage, the Islanders, on the other hand, it, I believe they had a day off today or a light day. Mm-hmm. Okay? They will charter tomorrow. Their flight will leave at around 2, 2.30 tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They'll be in Boston. and They'll check into the hotel at 4 o'clock. They'll have either a team dinner or they'll do their own thing and have a great Italian dinner. Sure. So if you're going into Tuesday... Right. Who's like better position to play a better game? Coming off a road trip where Boston played in Arizona, mm. played, uh, played Colorado, and then tonight they're playing in Las Vegas. Of all places. So what you're saying, Chris, is that the Islanders don't have any excuses Tuesday night. No. In fact, the Islanders should be, they're not going to be favored, but the, no. Islanders, the Islander fans mm. should have an expectation that this is a game that they can win. I won't go so far as to say should win. Okay. But also, it will be said in that locker room that for all the guys who hit on this team, which is more than half of them, mm. like get to Boston early. Make, yeah. Boston is not going to be that physically or mentally into this game early on. Okay. So this is the time to get to it. Well, hey, they went in and did it in Jersey, right? So why not Boston? Correct. There we go. Okay, I like that attitude. All right, we'll see what happens. So, Arizona Friday, struggling team, but of course, Arizona shut the Islanders out the last time they played them at UBS, so all bets are off there. Islanders own one. <laughs> there it's you go. Little revenge game, yeah, for sure. Well, look, if they play their backup again, then then it's no go. I mean, I, I talked to this. Uh, I talked with Stefan about this last week. If the Islanders are playing a team's backup, they're pretty much toast because they lost the Carolinas backup last night. They, I mean, it just for whatever the reason is, there's no rhyme or reason to it. But they always seem to struggle against these teams' backup goalies. But, and then Vegas, and you just really don't know what you're going to get there. Yeah, well, look, you got Jack Eichel over there. They've been one of the beasts in the West now, and. You know, they're going to be up there with Colorado for the rest of the season. That'll be a tough game, but a fun one to watch. Just, i got to get over there and t- to T-Mobile Arena. I hear it's fantastic over there. I'm going to Vegas in late February. There are two games while I'm there. Might get to one. We Very nice. See. Love it. Going to have to hear about that. Yeah, you'll need somebody else to – Christian will come in that, that Sunday. That would be great. Look at him. There he is. Fresh-faced Christian. I'm going to give him two and a half <laughs> months' notice that, that, he, that he needs to come in. He time. might need more than that. All right, folks, that's going to do it for What's on Tap. Three big games coming up. Let's see if they can recover after this uh, dissatisfying loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. So with that, we're going to go right in to Hero of the Week. So, folks, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli Bagels, Half Price Hero, which this week is the Blue Liner featuring chicken cutlet, bacon, melted American cheese, Russian dressing on a toasted garlic hero. Delicious. Uh, stop on in to the Blue Line Deli Bagels Huntington location. Mention Hockey Night New York and get half off the Blue Liner. So, Chris, who is your hero of the week? My hero of the week is, again, Brock Nelson. He, not only for his two goals on Friday in the win against New Jersey, but 
He's a player, you know, maybe a little bit of a slow start the season. Just you know, we're talking about the first sure. week or two. It wasn't Brock But now, yeah. yeah, but now, Grover, Breesember, <laughs> whatever the hell you want to call it. Mel, I don't Breesember. That doesn't even make any sense. Mark that uh, one down. <laughs> um, it, it, listen, utmost respect. An incredible, incredible player. A very, very close second are the public relations people with the Islanders for New York Hockey Holdings. Whoever managed the fishermen return, you could say what you want with it, but as a somebody who makes a living uh, in PR, uh, big time respect for how they manage that. They got the jersey in the hands of influencers. Right, um, right, yeah. You know, just the whole... promotion. Yeah, I, you know, the, the coverage was good. Uh, athletic, I was in an athletic article by Kevin. And yes. On an NHL.com. Um, good articles. Didn't always agree with some of my peers' theories about the fisherman jersey and how okay. it came to be. But um, I thought the Islanders people who do that which i think is probably more on the corporate side than like the hockey pr people mm-hmm. but whoever it was a plus yeah i saw they gifted a jersey to ej raddick and jackie redmond over at nhl network yeah they were spreading it around yeah, they smart. were getting it out there for sure for sure it's a money maker folks everybody's cashing i'm telling you i was in the building for that night they were they already had the reverse retro jerseys half the building was wearing them already so love it or hate it it's here and it's probably here to stay so with that in mind you talk about the islanders pr team and I think uh, my hero is actually an extension of that, and that is none other than a a forgotten man, a forgotten hero in my eyes, if you will, and that's none other than Niles. Um, This guy's been gone for a long time, could have been lost at sea. We have no idea. We don't know where he's been, what he's been up to, but the New York Islanders brought him back last night for the return of the Fisherman jersey, the Fisherman logo on reverse retro night, and the guy looks great. Looks like he shed a couple of pounds. He was out in the concourse, high fiving, giving hugs. It was fantastic. So was so he was all. So I saw a picture. That, <laughs> the light that, on his head. I and saw everything. Nick Kershaw posted a picture of like yes. he's in an elevator with like one other person and yes. Miles and I was like, like because I, I wasn't expecting it. I, so I, I was kind of thrown off by that. But he was also he was very present. Yes. Was he, was he anywhere in the aisles during the aisles during the game? I did not specifically see him in the aisles in the crowd, but I saw him in the concourse. Yeah. He was up and down the arena. And whoever by that... Way, up- I shouldn't presume it's a he, by the way. That's fair. Ni- well, the, the character is a he. Ni- yes. Yeah, okay. I mean, there's a beard and everything, so that, okay. that's a guy. Okay. <laughs> but- you know what? We better get off this subject quick. <laughs> I, I screwed that up. Let's, let's move on. Let's go. Not, I mean, keep on talking about Niles, but I don't want to go there. <laughs> so, yes, Niles in the building. He's back. I give all the credit in the world to the New York Islanders. And I know there's fans out there that hate it, the whole damn thing. But to have the balls to bring this guy back after all the hatred and whatnot, I was floored because I remember joking about bringing him back. You know, like when they would talk about the fishermen coming back and all that, I'd be like, well, you got to bring Niles back. You got to bring Niles back. And like always, you know, half-jokingly knowing it's never going to happen. So when Nick Hershon posted that picture of him, like I like squealed like a girl on the inside, like like a like a chicken at a Harry Styles concert, you know. And it was mean? Niles on the scoreboard, like was he shown? It was a reaction. Was there? I didn't see him on the board, but I did see that there was a picture of Sparky and Niles together, like kind of like pointing at each other, sort of thing. So it, yeah, it was acknowledged, it was embraced. So I'm very curious to see. I'd like to think he'll be back for all the reverse retro nights, right? Yeah. And yep. and it would be my hope and desire that even after this reverse retro thing is over, that we see some appearances from him because I want him at my birthday party next year. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Well, so I Niles, mean that, I can arrange that if you. 
Uh, we're going to talk after the, okay. after the show. You got it. So, Heroes of the Week, <laughs> Brock Nelson still playing stellar for the New York Islanders, leading the charge there in goals and just clutch goals too. Big, big goals. So he, he was a huge, huge guy in that New Jersey Devils game. And Niles, he's back. I cannot believe it. I'm waiting for somebody to pinch me because I do think I'm dreaming. So there you have it. The heroes. What do you got? So, well, the, I just say, so the Islanders, both when I was there, have they've only had two mascots. Yeah. Niles, who was a, a product of the fisherman jersey. That's right. And Sparky the dragon. The dragon. And you know why... We had a dragon mascot, Charles Wong, the the arena, arena football, team. football league team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not as make the New any York fucking sense No, no, whatsoever. no. You had to like reach and say, "Oh, well, you know, the dragon probably grew up on an island, you know, or <laughs> by the lighthouse." I, but I have a feeling there are people now who don't know why he was a dragon. It's the teams for sure. Yeah, far make, enough removed from Aaron right. Garcia it, it, and the and the New York. It Dragons. make it makes no sense. You could probably actually pull up, pull this off to somebody not in the know and say, "Oh yeah, well you know Game of Thrones is really popular, mm-hmm. so they wanted to get a dragon in there." You know what I mean? Like, like no, it doesn't make any sense. But the kids love him. Good. He's got a hockey stick for a tail. He's great. Good. Good. So, so <laughs> I mean, Niles used to early on scared the, the Jesus out of. Well, I believe kids. there was a redesign. Little, of his head little softening yes like okay. he was menacing <laughs> at first yes yes yeah <laughs> yeah and then they gave him a little smile and you know okay. turn things around hey listen the one thing i i just want to call complete and utter bullshit on oh, okay. uh, when it comes to the some of the, the stories that were written and enjoyed all the stories yeah they're just reporting mm-hmm. but the one of the theories that was espoused was that the reason why the owners went to the fisherman logo in 1995 was because the new owners who had been around for a little over two years mm-hmm. were concerned about the new guys and being intimidated by the dynasty and all that. And it's fascinating. And and that is just that is not true. Okay. That is complete okay. okay, for starters it takes okay. like a year and a half to change a logo in Jersey mm-hmm. and things like that. Okay. The guys had just gotten there. The, the bottom line is the gang of four whatever you want to say about them about the change they yeah. just decided they wanted to have their own imprint on it they wanted to change it up they wanted to sell jerseys the the idea that there was some sort of psychological thing where they're thinking oh fish and mccabe and bertuzzi are going to be you know the idea of wearing that islander crest right, is heavy right. on their chest right no. right how am i going to no, go out on the, the ice t- yeah, the, yeah. the years don't make sense mathematically none of it does I know why they changed the jersey, and it was just to change. It was just to change. There was there was no there was no deep thought into that. There you have it, folks. There's the facts straight from Chris Botta. Very interesting stuff. So, all right, we'll move on from the hero. It's time to field some questions. So, I hope we're a little active in the chat. Ed, Jay, how are we doing over there, boys? We are back. We're back. We are back. Okay, so back. Back so what's going on over there? Oh well, um, well, I, before we get started, oh, I, I have a, I've been stirring up an idea oh boy this is terrifying yes yeah we <laughs> need to do a rendition of where are you christmas but replace christmas with christian wow wow you know i actually you know? love that idea that's that's <laughs> I think pretty we need good. to get that christian what do you think about week? that he's got nothing to i say. think he loves it <laughs> <laughs> all right i anyway, love that we'll, we'll work on that D-Boyle. behind the scenes yeah <laughs> what do you got <laughs> Deboyle says if the Islanders miss the playoffs, do you see Lou getting fired? Yeah, it's a good idea, isn't it? You know, what a difference a week makes, man. You know, like they win a couple of games, everybody's saying where, you know, where they're going to who they're going to face in the playoffs, and now they they have a have a rough go and, and we're talking about Lou getting fired if they miss the playoffs. 
I, anything's possible. We've Chris and I have talked about the the length of his contract, whether he'll he'll re up, he'll stick around if the if the uh, torch gets passed to to Chris Lamarillo at some point or somebody else. Let's uh let's get to the halfway point of the season. I, I think before we start worrying about that, I, I personally do not think Lou gets fired if they miss the playoffs because I think uh, Ledecky and Malkin have so much confidence and faith in him. But I'll I'll defer to Chris. Uh, I don't know how this works if these things can get recorded and saved and thrown back in my face. Let me be clear here. In the year 2023, no matter the scenario, Lou Lamorello, Lou Lamorello is not going to get fired. There you have Emphasis, it. Emphasis, not it. going to get fired there you have in it. 2023, no matter what happens. There you go. It's in the archives, so we'll, we'll, we'll refer back to it when we get to June July. <laughs> Love it. What do you got, Ed? All right, from Mike, 4652. Any chance Uncle Lou makes a trade prior to the deadline, or is he committed to waiting to the very last moment? He sure took his time during free agency. His history is actually to get a jump in, in when he made more trades. Mm. Was he'd sometimes have that surprise early trade, or whether he's uh, selling, whether he's buying. Um, so do I think he's going to make a trade before the, before the trade deadline? Yes. Um, <laughs> is it possible that it could be a little bit of a early February surprise, late January surprise? Yes, that's a possibility too. When it comes to the Patrick Kane or, and whoever else might be the big fish, if we could use these kind of analogies now, metaphors, whatever. It's very um, appropriate. Is, uh, yeah, is, uh, is sometimes you want to maybe even overpay early and give, in this case, the Blackhawks, for example. Um, you know, that, wow, we, if he's telling us if we do this now, here's the package. And, you know, and oh, by the way, I know there's also some of these trades that are out where um, the player is going to have to approve where he goes. That's a big part of it, too. Right, so, right. answer your question, he's going to make a trade before the trade deadline, at least one trade before the trade deadline. And it, yeah, it could come. It could very well come surprisingly earlier, meaning three or four weeks, not two fifty nine that day. If if any if there's anything we learned from the viewers here is that they're definitely ready for a trade because it's coming up every week. And and look, everybody knows what the need is, so we'll we'll see if they get a score. Ed, what's next? Uh, Coach Lambert is up next. Hey, my man. <laughs> the Islanders are in trouble if Pelic misses significant time. Who's more critical to their chances of success, Pelic or Barzal? Interesting question because I figured Sorokin would have been the second name in that question, but I, you know, that's I think the Islanders, and this might sound like blasphemy to some of you guys out there, but they might be able to manage a little more if Barzell was out long term compared to Pelic. I think that Pelic might be a bigger hit just because they're not as deep defensively right now, and they're going to be relying on guys like Salo and Aho long term. So hopefully Pelic isn't out for a while. So to answer your question, I'm going to say Pelic would be a, a more of more painful loss if, how, if you had to compare the two. How would they manage when you say I'm not saying I'm not disagreeing with you. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious as to your answer when you say that they would manage being out with Barzal. How would they manage that? Well, I think this is a team that that already has to spread their offense out, right? I and mean, especially seeing how much is coming from the defense these days. But, you know, it, it, there's not that one guy who's who's basically responsible for all their offense, right? We just talked about Brock Nelson and how, how much of a key he's been to this team. He doesn't even play on Matt Barzell's line, right? So he's doing it without Matt Barzell. Now, sure, they, they might see each other on the power play and whatnot. But I think 
for a team that as and also has actually proven they can they can score a little bit compared to last year, right? Because that was a huge concern. I think that that's something. Now, will they manage it to perfection? Will it not result in losses? That's not what I'm saying. But I think that that's something that they can manage a little better by committee with the depth of forwards that they have compared to having to try to limp through however many games without Adam Pellick on the defensive end. I have some optimism. Like, you know, we can't play doctor here. It's stupid mm-hmm. to ever do it. I believe there's some reason to be optimistic that Pellick will not be out too long. Okay. And it's somewhat based on the fact that when Lane Lambert was asked if he was going to be on the trip or join them later, however it was phrased, he didn't rule that out. And the reason why I say that is if there was something that was like clear cut x-rays, you know, mm-hmm. something bad. Sure. And and I do believe that Lane Lambert has some integrity. There was a thing a week or two ago where some of the guys thought he might have lied to them and then he clarified after. I think it had to do with uh, Wallstrom or somebody not being at a skate and mm-hmm. he, he cleared the air and apologized and said, you know, I didn't know whoever the player was. I think this is a man of integrity and I think if he knew deep down that this was definitely long-term by now, a couple of days after it happened, mm-hmm. he wouldn't say that he couldn't rule out anything. So this could be a scenario where Pellick winds up missing a week or two, which mm-hmm. is not good. You no. know, we want him there every game. No. But in terms of, you know, long term, I, 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 you know, I see that as four weeks or more, let's say, right? And uh, I, I believe there's some reason to, you know, have some faith that he's going to be back, possibly even before the last road game on this trip. Fingers crossed, Ed. What do you got? Trotty19 asks, should we be concerned about Sorokin? Three losses in a row has looked shaky with some softies given up. Not yesterday, not Saturday. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. Listen, a couple of losses, and this is going to— wasn't great against St. Louis. Yeah, that was definitely the the weak point of his season. Um, But overall, again, and I know I use this— these terms compared to any time the Islanders struggle with anything, but 82 games and, and your starting goaltenders getting into what, 35 to 50 at, at least, right? Somewhere in that number. Right. And to, to expect these guys to be just at their peak performance every night, night in, night out is just not reasonable. And that's, you know, whether you're talking about Austin Matthews on down to your fourth liners, you're just not going to have, they're not going to have it every night. And maybe Sorokin's going through a little bit of a stretch here. I, I mean, I'd like to give him a little more credit than maybe we're giving him right now. But, you know, he's, he's had a couple of tough games. He's, he's had a couple, couple of losses. But is it a concern? Absolutely not. You heard what Eric Fischo had to say about him early in the program. I mean, this guy is the real deal. He's absolutely going to be a finalist for the Vesna Trophy if the Islanders don't fall off a cliff this season. So, look, you, you just have to swallow the bad games and, and have confidence that he's going he's gonna to bounce back and he'll be fine. Yeah, it's masked because they lost last night, but no matter who played goal, they were losing yeah, Saturday night. Yeah, 16 shots, I mean. And so he answered, in a way, he, you know, any concern about coming off of the, the, the bad game, he was good on Saturday. They, they, it was, I mean, he had a couple of dunks by Carolina. Right, um, right. So, no, I, I, I do not see it. I do not have that concern. Trache 19. Edward, do we have any more? We do. Okay. Uh, we got, this is talking about earlier about the fights. Okay. Uh, T. Boyle asks, what do you think of the instigator rule? A player is coming to the aid of his of his teammate and he is thrown out of the game. It's ridiculous. Well, no, I mean, it, it's a case-by-case basis. Yeah. He's not really coming to the aid of his, you know, 
he's not coming to the aid of his teammate. He's he's standing up for him. That's fine. Um, but it's not always the case. And so, as we talked about earlier, I think we covered it pretty well, right? It's uh, sometimes that is dumb and you're taking yourself out of the game. So I understand the instigator rule. I don't think right. it's always been called correctly. No. But, uh, <laughs> no. But, I, but I wouldn't say it's a dumb rule. It's definitely, however it's spelled out in the rule book, it's definitely bent a little bit mm-hmm. uh, when it's interpreted on the ice. But uh, yeah, well said, Chris. Anything else? Um, after reading it, this is, I think this is a jab. Oh, kind of question. Okay. That's fine. Where did that go? Uh-oh. Where did Trottier go? Oh. He had a funny one. Jabbing us or jabbing somebody else? No, or no, jabbing this guy? Jabbing the aisles. Oh, oh. here it goes. <laughs> Can I get a refund or discount for games? I I pay I pay for three periods, but the Islanders only show up for ah. one period, sometimes two. Yeah, one of the incredible yeah. things about George Steinbrenner when he uh, was with us and owned the Yankees, every once in a while they would just have a bag. It's baseball too, right? It's pitching. You can lose 16-3. It's not for lack of trying or anything right, like that. Right. And uh, they'd put up on the board. You know, in the seventh inning, anybody who came to tonight's game, just with the guys on the field, right? Anybody who came to tonight's game, uh, hold on to your ticket and uh, give you entry, free entry to a game of, you know, your choice wow. the next month or something like wow. that. Wow. Um, you know, that was bad, and the Islanders have had some stinkers at home, and that's unfortunate. But they, the bottom line, Sean, is they got to get their shit together because <laughs> I did the show here two weeks ago Mm -hmm. they were six games over nhl 500 they Mm -hmm. had four gettable games four winnable Mm -hmm. games coming Mm up sure we know it doesn't always work out that way of course but i talked about the importance of getting to 10 games over 500 not end the season 10 Mm -hmm. games over nhl 500 but get there and build from there and right now there's very few teams over that jersey is boston as i get that boston i think is excuse me pittsburgh's like eight eight games over but they are right now a middle of the pack team. I believe this is a team that's going to make the playoffs. Yes. I've seen mm-hmm. enough in terms of how they've come together, mm-hmm. how they've responded to Lane Lambert, any concerns post trots. I think in a lot of ways they mm-hmm. have answered those yeah, things. That's in the rear view window. But they're just five games over NHL 500. They are another loss or two away from not being in the one of those two yeah, wild card right, teams or right. three division teams. And, uh, the, you know, they. It looks good that they're 16 and 11 or 17, whatever it is, but it isn't that good. So, and by the way, I'm not saying you're getting carried away. I don't think any fans are too, but I think there's kind of a comfort level there that shouldn't be there. There's, they, they, they have to start playing much better to start to come to ever comfortably get into a playoff position or if not they will be sweating it out till the end of the season yeah and, I, and we will be with them. i agree but it's uh you know the nhl point standing system is just so mm-hmm. fascinating and and you're able to key on it a little bit more this season because of how strange the islander season has gone as far as those columns go they still haven't lost a game in overtime or a shootout yet. They amazing. haven't even gone to a shootout yet. And the funny thing is, if they could just lose good, <laughs> right? Like lose mm-hmm. better, they would probably still be in that second spot if they could just get through regulation. But for whatever reason, all their games have been, well, all their losses have been decided in regulation. Mm-hmm. And most of their wins have been decided in regulation. I think two overtime wins, whatever it is, right? And like there's actually a couple of teams, at least like the last time I looked, where 
you know, they're like four points behind in the standings, but they have like two or three more wins. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's stupid, yeah. you know, but I guess that's this whole, you know, it's it's part of the parody and it's part of the league wanting all the teams in it late in the season, right? And, you know, that's, I mean, that's kind of like what the skepticism is, right? Like, they, uh, part of the reason why they went to this point system was so that you didn't have teams out of it by January, right? Teams that still have a prayer, you know, even if they're meandering around what looks like 500 hockey, um, you know, just because they're, they're grabbing a point every night because they get to the skills competition, you know? Yeah, and the last thing for me for this show, unless you have anything else, it, it, kind of on that line of, I often bring up the narrative of this long season, mm-hmm. is it's going to come down to, whether it's the Islanders or anybody else, is how are you playing in March going into April and then the playoffs? You know, when Tampa won, when uh, Tortorella was coach, Early in the season, nobody saw them as a, as a team that was going to blow everybody away. Mm-hmm. But they peaked at the right time. They made the right moves. That's what you want from your team. Colorado is not losing any sleep over you know having Nathan out for right. a few weeks right. and, and being three games over 500. I think they were uh, going maybe four after mm-hmm. uh, Fischo's mm-hmm. game today uh, that he that he broadcast. It, it's just it's getting your for the, the top teams. It's where are you toward the end of the season right now the Islanders still have to play themselves into that conversation but that does that is what really matters yeah for sure there's still a lot of games to be played still a lot of time for the Islanders to play what I would consider more of a complete 60 minute game the good thing is we've seen what they can do in a 40 to 45 minute game or whatever it is if they can somehow get more of those 60 minute games and not then they're probably going to be in a good spot heading into the playoffs. Yeah, it's there, and I think this coming week, will it's not going to uh, define anything, but I think it'll be another good sign. It's a great great coupling of teams of different qualities with different schedules going into it. I think it'll be a really exciting week. Absolutely, so I think we can wrap it up there. So thanks, everybody, for getting your questions in for Questions Brewing, brought to you by the great Lost Farmer Brewing Company. Ed, hit that music, please. (laughs) <laughs> at any time <laughs> it's in there we go <laughs> alright folks I want to thank you so I much for tuning heart. in to Hockey Night in New York here at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast providers a huge huge thanks to Eric Fischo for joining us on the program tonight what a great interview that was and a huge thanks to our great sponsors Blue Line Deli and Bagels flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington check out bluelinedeli.com to see all their great offerings. Also, a big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. Check them out at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And again, viewing party Thursday, December 22nd, Isles vs. Rangers at Lost Farmer. We will have more details to come. We're going to do a pregame show at 6 o'clock. Chris will be with me. We're going to have a great time. So definitely mark your calendars for that. And a big thanks to our brand new sponsor, Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Again, a huge thanks to you. And hey, if you enjoy what we're doing here, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, all that good stuff. Chris, where can we find you on the Twitter? At Chris Bada NHL. You can find myself on Twitter at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Hockey Night NY. Jay, Ed, you guys good? You have a good night? Best. All right? The best. <laughs> That's what I like Jay to hear. He doesn't want to be in frame tonight. For Chris Bada. My name is Sean Cuthbert, and for Christian Arnold, of course. Great to finally have him in the studio here. We've been Hockey Night in New York. We'll see you next time. Have a great one.